to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston. Tonight, I'm joined by a refurbished, a glowing... Refurbished? Refurbished. A glowing, a very youthful and exciting big fat drunk. How are you doing tonight, man? <laughs> refurbished. You made me sound like a phone that like gets resold on eBay has refurbished. That's like what a, I feel like right like now. A, Thanks, man. An app like the iPhone 3G from 2010 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm refurbished. Yeah, they got the screen crack replaced, and there's still an otter box on it, you know? <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, we both came back from vacation, so I, I feel like refurbished is the best way to describe oneself after a vacation, you know? Right. so alive and open. So last week, whenever, last time we spoke, we did kind of like a, we wanted to do a podcast over the entire Texas 2020 free agency and we got like halfway through. And so this for this episode, we'll actually talk about the free agents that we want the Houston Texans to go out there and sign. And we're assuming that Houston and this you know, reality we're operating in, the one that we set up a week ago, was that the Texans have somewhere probably between 65 and $70 million to work with whenever free agency actually begins. And this included things like cutting Sineo Calamente and cutting Angelo Blackson and Vernon Hargreaves and those sorts of very smart decisions that we made. But before that, the big news today was that the Jacksonville Jaguars traded the te- the Texans should have franchise tag AJ Boye, AJ Boye to the Denver Broncos for a fourth round pick. And the Jaguars ate the bonus money. And it looks like, I guess I'm pull up real fast. And the Broncos are going to pay them $11.5 million this year uh, in unguaranteed money to fix a quarterback hold that they're about to have because of the Chris Harris is about to go somewhere else. So how jealous are you that the Denver Broncos trade a fourth-round pick for Boye when the Houston Texans traded a third for Gary and Conley? <laughs> so the very first thing that came to my mind was the Gary and Conley trade, right? It's it's, And the second thing was the Marcus Peters trade. I mean, I, I, are we not working the phones for these guys? Are we just – look, I get it. Boye probably is not a fit in the way that we play our defense right now. I get it. I'm cool with that. How about maybe we change our defense in order to fit around the, the best talent that's on the market? You know, just a thought here, um, because, you know, we don't have talent at quarterback right now. We don't. So I, I get I get pretty hung up on this because it's like we're not even freaking trying. And when I you know, we were bitter, you and I were bitter as all heck when we let uh, Boye go. And I still carry a, a certain level of that bitterness with me. And it's just like today was a day we could have made up for it. I get it. He's a, he's a couple years older. He missed some games last year. He doesn't play the scheme that we're probably going to play. We still don't know. But these are the kind of moves that a successful NFL team does kind of on the, on the margins. And that we – this isn't even a margin one. This is like watching what the Ravens uh, defense did after they got Marcus Peters was pretty huge. and. Boye is going to be a solid upgrade for them, and he's going to be able to uh, fill in on Chris Harris's slot position, probably, is, I guess, where he's going to go. <laughs> and we go get Gary and Conley. We go get Vernon Hargraves. We trade a six-round pick for Kean Crossan. 
you know, we're not making smart football moves right now as a team, Matt. Yeah, and I mean, what happened with the Connolly trade was that they had to overpay because it was in the middle of the season, they were desperate, and it really kind of came, and that, that whole decision was a direct result of what we talked about last you know, spring, when we were both uh, even younger and even prettier, when we said, you know, the thing about the Texans and the cornerback market is there's not a lot of good cornerbacks available, and they should just sign like three or four guys, and they didn't. They signed Bradley Roby, and that was that was pretty much it when they did free agency. And so because of that, they didn't have the depth required to deal with even Philip Gaines getting injured. Like, I still can't believe last season they missed Philip Gaines last season and Jonathan Joseph not being able to play cornerback number two and him getting injured and Roby getting injured. And that leads them train for Gary and Conley last season. Um, if I mean, I, I joked to, on Twitter that the Texans should trade for AJ Boye. I really don't think so because he's has a contract to have $13.4 million. But also, they don't have the draft capital to really make any more trades like this at all anymore, where they can trade, you know, a mid round draft pick for somebody like him. Um, I think it's a great trade for the Broncos, though, because Chris Harris Jr. played a lot outside. Boye can fill in that role and playing outside, and they can do it by having a guy who's a good cornerback who has no long-term money tied up to him at all. They can release him and have to, not have to pay any money at all whatsoever because the Jaguars had paid the bonus cap hit um, as soon as they made that trade for him too. So I think it was a great move for Denver as a move I think a lot of teams should have been looking at for it. And I, I know you mentioned the scheme, but I don't even know what Houston's scheme is going to be next year defensively. And that's something that I really want to talk about uh, or to keep in mind whenever we talk about the defensive free agents that we like for this team in 2022. Right, right. And because we don't know, we don't really have a clue. I mean, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a Romeo Cornell-esque kind of defense. I don't think we're going to change that radically. I think that's what, you know, they've been going with for a couple of years. And I think when you look at the town on the roster, I don't know what else you want them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have guys who can play one-on-one uh, at, at cornerback and expect to win. We don't, we don't have any talent at the cornerback position right now. And so I don't know how we're going to have to still be bend don't break. I, I don't know how that changes. Yeah. And there's been a lot of ideas that Anthony Weaver may play more of an aggressive three, four defense because he coached under Rex Ryan and those sorts of things too, which I mean, is it is a fine idea. They want to play man or press man or whatever and try to teach Lonnie Johnson Jr. how to be big and strong or how to play big and strong despite being big and strong, not being able to play like that. And, uh, you know, that's an idea, but I mean, I really have no idea at all what they're going to do scheme-wise next year. But, um, yeah, I I do think how they go about free agency will mean a lot about that as well too. But, you know, good for Denver. It's a good trade. I think Boye is going to be very good there. And it's going to be fun to see him and Kareem Jackson on the same team again even in there on a completely different you know, set of colors. Sadness. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, and also Vancho's great too at coverage games, like pass, uh, pass rush stuff. He makes zero sense. Like I still will never forget <laughs> last year where they had one sack. It took him four weeks to finally have a sack. despite having Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, like Von Miller went, I think three weeks without quarterback hit to start last season, but he's incredible pass coverage schemes. So I'm sure He'll do a lot of fun things with, with those two guys around. And hopefully they keep Justin Simmons there too. And um, they could have a, another top 10 you know, pass defense pretty easily again next year. Yeah, I agree. So for the Houston Texans specifically, regarding free, well, actually, I think we may have a quick question that we can tie along in here for it. This question is from uh, at Huggy Bear. And he asked, the Texans trade a third-round pick for Gary and Conley. The Broncos trade a fourth-round pick for A.J. Boye. Is BFD crying yet? 
Yeah, and I want to go back to one of the points that people are trying to make in order to justify why the Texans couldn't make it, and even you made it, and I'm not picking on you, Matt, is that is because it was going to be a salary cap hit. Look, look you got it. We, uh, we don't have draft capital. I get it. and But we have plenty of cap room. We could have taken on, what you said, $11 million a year, right? For yeah. a couple of years. That's, it would have been $13 million this year. Thir- 13 So, look. You know, for a team that's got absolutely no talent in their second or in the at the cornerback position, it I'm good with making that gamble. You gotta take a chance that on, on talent. And I don't mean by, you know, going after Gary and Connolly kind of thing. I mean like getting a guy who has a track record of success as an NFL football player, and that's Boye. And you know, the we should have been all over that. We should have been all over that trade. I don't think Jacksonville would have traded them to us. I think they would have wanted a third or second because it's interdivision. But man, those are that's an opportunity that really bites me. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I think they just want to get rid of the contract. You know, like if all things are even, they probably said no. You need to give us a third. But if the pick is better, I think they just take what's best for it. But yeah, uh, Boye's out thirteen million dollars this year, next year, and he has a zero dollar dead cap hit. So the Jaguars have to pay the bonus to trade him, and now whoever now the the Broncos pretty much get him for free year to year. And they only had to pay him if they actually keep him on the roster too. So, and he's also entering his age twenty nine and thirty season. So it's not like they're. It's. I mean, it's. This is a better trade than re-signing Chris Harris long term for him, where you're paying a guy five years, age thirty one, or and you're giving him you know sixteen million dollars a year or something along those lines for you know the downturn of his career. Even though he's a very good player, I think if you do sign Chris Harris, you'll probably get one really great year out of him, and after that you can be like. Oh, Yep. You have him how much? He's right. here for how long? Gosh, <laughs> you yeah. give him more than three years. The, the the best signing if you're a team is give him three years at, at eighteen million a year and just hope he gives you two good ones. Yeah, or like front load it where you pay him thirty million dollars a year mm-hmm. one. You know, I don't know. The new CBA is interesting too with that. So for the Texans for agents, what are some big big name signings that you want them to go after, and who are you willing to go all in on? And start talking about guys like. You know, Yank and Gawkway and uh and Jadavion Clowney, you know, the top sort of free agents in this uh this year's class. So so I was gonna take a little bit different take, and if you want to go that way, I'm good with it. But I was gonna go some of the guys who are kind of under the radar guys that, that I wanted to start with, and then we can go to the big big home run guys. Um whatever you want to do. But I, I, I kinda wanna do home run guys first. You wanna then, do home run guys yeah. first? Well then I think you've mentioned a couple of them. I mean I, I want I want all the guys who get to the quarterback. I want Ngakwe. I want Chris Jones. I want um, uh, uh, Emmanuel Ogba. Oh, oh my God. Ogba? Can you yeah. remember how to pronounce it? He tore his peck last year. Yeah. Well, Alex so Ogba tore his peck too as well. I yeah. think Ogba is a free agent this year too. Yeah. So I, I want any of these guys who can get to the quarterback with any sort of regularity. Um, of course, you know, the guy who I'd like to bring back the most is, is, is a guy, God, I can't remember his name. JD Clowney. <laughs> is that his name? I heard he's very good. I heard, I heard he's a pretty good football player. I heard the Tennessee Titans are looking after him and DJ reader next year, which would be beautiful. <laughs> that would be just a like, massive. Don't sign Derek Henry and then get reader and Clowney instead. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, these are the kind of guys that you know I would love to to bring a couple on. The, so we're talking really about guys who get to the quarterback. If we're going to stick to a three four, 
you know, I don't know what you think about a, a, a Dante Fowler kind of guy. He's m- almost more of a four, three linebacker, but I think he could play a three, four. If you don't ask him mm-hmm. to get, you know, drop into coverage too often. Uh, I had one other guy I wanted to mention and I can't, of, uh, five, of course there's Shaquille Barrett. Uh, and then of course, uh, Bud Dupree, uh, you know what? Give me two or three of those guys and I'd be pretty darn happy. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I guess you probably if we're thinking they have sixty-five, seventy million. They could probably get two of these guys. Uh, I believe the only. So if we want to go through some of these names real fast, you'll know, climb be spectacular, but they already you know, screwed that up completely. Um, Fowler, you know, he's only twenty-six, so he's gonna be the youngest free agent of the bunch here. But he's a guy who a lot of his pressures come off of stunts, and so I think he's the type of guy that you want to pay if you have like two other really good players in front of him. Like I think he'd be great in Baltimore, like a team that loves to blitz a lot. I think he'd be great in Buffalo. Um, in Houston though, I mean, they do, they did blitz. They were, I think they were 10th in blitz rate last year, but it's more because everybody else is bad around him. I don't know how good Fowler would be in Houston though. It'd be like, yeah, we have Fowler and uh, Jacob Martin run stunts together and neither one of them can, can, you know, cover up two blockers and, oh yeah, we wanted to run Watt and, you know, Fowler on ATU stunt, but, you know, watch me out for the rest of the season. You know what I mean? And so I don't, I've never really watched him and thought of him as a guy who does a really great job at uh, creating a lot of rush on his own. No, he needs help for sure. Cause he's a small dude. He's like, he's like, if I remember correctly, like 6'3, 250. He's not a big dude. He's fast, but he's not big and he can get swallowed up by blockers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dupree, you know, I will say there's been kind of like, a, I know Rivers wrote about Dupree <laughs> for, you know, FO whenever they publish their thing through ESPN about how the Steelers shouldn't sign Dupree. And I think Dupree's kind of underrated just because all the, all the numbers don't like him all that much. Like his pressure rate's not that good. His hit rate's not that good, but he went up against left tackles where, while you know, TJ Watt got all the glory and went up against right tackles. And so I think that's one of the reasons for it. And the other thing too, like he just got a lot stronger. And so one of the things I like about Dupree is he's really underrated as a run blocker. He can play, you know, all three downs. And uh, and also, like, if you give him more easier matchups, I think he could have a better season potentially if he goes somewhere else. And again, like he's more than just like a, a speed and rip, a speed and rip guy. And that's all he was for in the first four years of his career. Or so, and I really think last season he, he kind of turned the corner and changed a lot of ways. The hard thing for Houston though <clears throat> is that they did give you know Brandon Dunn three million dollars and Whitney Merciless twelve million dollars that like we talked about, and that's one you know top free agent pass rusher. And so I don't really, like, again, I, we disagree on this, that the Whitney Merciless signing was bad. I think he got somewhere around on the open market, but it's the opportunity cost that was a problem with that signing. And now you lose the opportunity to sign someone like Dupree who you could possibly sign otherwise. Yeah, and it, again, it's about making the moves on the margin. And this one it wasn't even a margin move. It's don't give a guy who who's playing next year at 31 years old that kind of a contract when he's never been able to win one-on-one battles. Yeah, Oh yeah. my gosh! If you I could pl- rant, I could seriously rant for like <laughs> two hours on that stupid signing, the merciless signing. So stupid. I wish, yeah, I really do need to write that merciless article. Um, if we were playing Halo Two with Winnie Merciless, he wait for you and I to like shoot each other a lot, and then he'd come in whenever <laughs> all of our sh- our shields are down, and then he just shoot us twice and get a double kill and be like, "Man, I'm really good at this game." And then we get oh, an my- argument about it, yeah. And then he eat yeah. the last slice of pizza too. Oh hell yeah! Uh, and it says age thirty season. I'm sorry, but still, it doesn't matter. He that's the magic mark. Age yeah, thirty. I mean, that's it. Yeah, and so I mean, Clowney's the best 
free agent guy available, I think, for edge rushers. Um, he's he's 27, so he's during the prime of his career. The guy I like the most for the Texans is Eric Armstead. And the reason why I like him a lot is that they're going to be playing... They're, I mean, I think they're going to be playing a lot of 3-4, a lot of 4-3, where it's going to be 4-2, you know, nickel and 3-4 base. And Armstead can play, you know, interior. As a, he can rush the interior. He can rush wide. He can play 3-4 defensive end. He can play... You know, outside Che of the tackle and, and nickel and base, uh, nickel and dime defenses, and he can play inside and out. He's a good run uh, defender as well too. He's also 26, and so you're going to be paying for the peak of somebody's career. And again, with the problem with free agency is it's inefficient because you don't pay what a player is worth. You pay what it takes to get them to your roster, and you're going to have to overpay to get guys also. And just because that's the framework of it, and I think if you get Armstead for like somewhere like. You have four years, $7 million or so. That'd be a great contract for him. The only issue with Armstead is that he's had one really good year in his entire career, and that was last season. And so you're paying for the outlier, and you're hoping that the outlier it becomes a consistent source of production. But, I mean, he was a, a former you know, top-ten pick. He has great size. I think he was actually 15th overall. Um, he has great size. He has talent, and you know, he really, I think he really kind of put together all last year. And the other thing I like about him too is he can, if you block from the tight end, he's going to destroy that matchup. And um, and also he can, like he can create a lot, he can create pressure in a variety of different ways. It's not like he's a one trick player at all. And he can do a little bit of everything. I think with what Houston ha- needs next year, they need an interior rusher and they need pass rushing everywhere. But a guy can do a lot of different things. I think be very valuable for this team. Yeah, and I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you. I like Armstead a lot. I think the reason we saw the jump in his numbers is he had so much talent around him, yeah. right? Is everybody was feasting on that uh, defensive line, and, and I think San Francisco had the lowest blitz rate last year, if I remember correctly, because they were getting so much push from those front four guys, especially when D Ford was happy, was was healthy. The, the The other guy I would like to throw out there because I just have had a man crush on him since I saw him in college is Chris Jones. Because I think he can do a lot of those similar things as Eric Armstead can. Thing is, they're not going to tag, franchise tag Armstead, but the case he is going to Chris Jones. So I don't think he's even going to make it to the market. Yeah, they already tagged Jones. Um, and so they could tag him and possibly trade him. Like the Jackson did with Ngakwe, they tagged Ngakwe and they're going to trade him. And I mean, that's the right decision to make. You know, you can't let that guy walk for nothing. Even if you can trade him for a second round pick that's better than. Uh, let him just walk walk through free agency and hindered. And the whole point of the tag isn't to allow teams to do that, but that's how it's been used. And we saw that happen with Houston away last year, and we saw it happen with Frank Clark last year, and we saw it happen with D Ford as well last year too, where they used that tag to trade players. Yeah, San Francisco was 29th in blitz rate at 20.9%. The bottom three teams were Detroit, Oakland, and Los Angeles Chargers, which that doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. Uh, Really very little sense at all that those teams didn't blitz more. But yeah, I do think the talent around him got him a lot more of the easier matchups. But I mean, they used those guys along all four sport, all four spots in the offensive line. The only guy that really played in one spot was Nick Bosa, and he just rushed up against left tackles for the majority of the year. And they just used everybody else, kind of switched them all around the rest of the, uh, the defensive line. Yeah, and technically, I don't think anybody's been tagged yet because I don't think they can until the 15th or the 18th or something. Or they, they have until the 10th tag. Okay. And that's the deadline, but they can tag now. Okay. Yeah. So Jones is, I mean, they, I guess you seem possibly trade uh, a 2024 first round pick for him or something and, <laughs> and hope Kansas City can acquiesce after that. But yeah, we want a Super Bowl. That's fine with us. But 
I don't think he's going to go anywhere, though. <laughs> we trade our 2030-2031 first-round picks for him. Yeah, the plan will be dead by then anyway, so who, who cares, you know? Right, right. Um, so defensively, who are some kind of lesser-known front seven players that you like Houston go after? The one guy that really jumped out at me uh, hitting the market is... Um, Oh my God! What's his dad gum name? Mayo, uh, Benson Mayoa from okay. the Raiders. As he put up good numbers last year, he was good he last some year. Good he was their best pass rusher last year. Yeah, he and he's he should be kind of I think on the cheaper side. He turns uh, twenty nine next year. He plays his twenty nine season next year. Look, we need any talent we can get, and he's he's a guy who has who has shown some productivity. Yeah, that's a good deep cut. That's also a guy too you could probably get for. You know, one year, six million dollars or so. Nobody knows who he is, and he—I mean, again, he was Oakland's best pass rusher. I guess you could say uh, Max Triplex Crosby was, you know, about as good as he was. But, right. <laughs> you know, it took Crosby like six weeks or so to really start getting it. Yeah, and and he's a guy who can give you some production. I, you know, we need anything we can get to get to the quarterback. I mean, that needs to be our. Our sole focus, I think, in the offseason needs to be how can we get to the opposing quarterback because our secondary is ass, mm-hmm. except for Justin Reed. What do you think? Do you think pass rush or cornerback play is more important? Because I know PFF has been waging this war that it's about cornerback play, not pass rush. I think they're balanced. I really don't think I would go on either limb. I think it's it's got to be a yin and a yang kind of thing that you have to – you have to pressure the quarterback. You can't let the quarterback just sit there and do nothing. You can't or uh, sit there and scan the field for five, six seconds. You can't allow that to happen. Um, so you have to get to them. But I, I wouldn't. But your cornerbacks can't suck either, like ours do. So I think there's a trade-off. If I had to go for one, it'd be getting to the quarterback. The faster you can make the quarterback have to make decisions, that means they're going to make more poor decisions because they have that shorter time frame in order to fit that in. So I would, I would, if I had to, it'd be the pass rush. Yeah, I agree with that too. And also, I think it's easier to create a pass rush than create a really good secondary. You know, like it's just, it's such a difficult thing to be able to create a great one. And the last time Houston had a great one, it was because they drafted Cream Jackson in the first round. They signed Joseph to a big contract. AJ Boye came out of nowhere. And they had Andre Howell on the team as well too. And they were able to create a lot of interior pressure. And like, that's the only... You great corner. Uh, that's the best pass defense Houston's had last decade. Was that team in 2016 with you name redacted? So it's hard to do. It's really difficult to have a great pa- have a great cornerback group. And also, like, what did we just see with you know San Francisco? Like their cornerback group was uh, Witherspoon, and then and he was really good actually last year. And Sherman, and then there's their their slot corner is pretty good too. But they have really great uh, coverage linebackers. Their safeties didn't do much of anything. They had great pass rush, and so they kind of scrapped one out with only really investing Richard Sherman as far as cornerbacks go, and we're still able to have a really good pass defense. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the guy, so there's a few kind of guys. Like one guy, this is more emotional than uh, logos. Here is Jabal Sheard. Like I love Jabal <laughs> Sheard so much, and I was you know I wrote about uh, Tyus Howard last week, and I got like kind of stuck in like a Jabal Sheard like film, like kind of wormhole where I just watched a bunch of his video real fast. I was like, man, he was just really good again last year. And I mean, he, he worked Titus Howard in that Thursday night football game last year. And we talked about that whenever the game happened and like, he can rush inside and out. I mean, he he can create pressure with inside moves and outside moves. He's a good run defender. He recognizes run plays really well. 
he's strong. Um, I think he's a guy too who you know, he'll never get a lot of sacks. I think he kind of lacks that you know closing speed at the end of his rush to create a lot of sacks, but he's gonna create a lot of pressure. And you know, I don't know if Indy's gonna keep him around or not, but he was he's been the best defensive player they've had the last you know five years or so there. And he's gonna be thirty years old, so you could probably get him on a two year contract for you know twelve million dollars or whatever, and he'd be a much better option and, and a huge upgrade over Angelo Blackson as a three four defensive end. Well, so would I. So he plays next year at thirty one. Sure does. Okay. So but I, I don't disagree. I, I would have him on my team at any point in time. Gay's a hell of a football player. Yeah, and we're looking at guys here like you could get him probably for $6 million a year or so next year. you know. And I, and I think the way Houston should go about this is that they should get at least one of these front seven players and give them you know, $15 million a year or whatever it's going to be at that point. And then they should try to get you know two or three of these other guys to fill out the rest of the uh, front seven. Also, Cincinnati's really interesting this offseason because they're probably going to draft Joe Burrow. Their offensive line's really bad, and so I think they're going to make some defensive cuts to be able to create space, to be able to sign offensive linemen. And right now, they have Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. Atkins, I think, is going to be in his age 30 season. I think Dunlap's going to be in his age 27 season. And both of them could be cut from Cincinnati because they, they'll be able to save a good amount of money if they do so. Uh, what do you think about either of those guys going to Houston? I think you're off on the ages. Um, Dunlap plays at 31 next year, and I think Atkins is 32 or 3. So uh, they're both productive, 32, Atkins is. Okay. But both these guys, I would love to have them on the team. Again, these are guys who have a a track record of success, who should not break the bank. And uh, again, I mean, you could probably sign Atkins to almost to Angelo Blackson type money. I think he would take that. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot more than that on the open market. So once again, we sign guys like Blackson and Dunn and, and merciless to these crazy ass contracts and it backfires on you because now your hands are tied. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to turn around and cut Blackson or Dunn. I mean, we could, I think they'll cut Blackson. I think so. I think they have to. Cause I, they just signed his clone. Yeah. I've never seen Dunn and Blackson in the same room <laughs> or in, even in the same defensive line. So, Well, they, they were. Yeah. They put Dunn at, at, at nose tackle and Blackson and Reader at defensive ends. Uh, but <laughs> no, they would save, they would save $6.4 million if they cut Atkins. And they'd, six, they'd save $6.5 million if they cut Dunlap. Cut them. Yeah. Well, and also it's interesting to them, like let's say for Cincinnati, if they sign like Joe Thune, they could do Jonah Williams, Joe Thune, and then I can't remember who their center is, but they have like a fourth round pick center, I think, from Ohio State. And they could play, put Cordy Glenn at right tackle, and Cordy Glenn's pretty good. And they could cut Bobby Hart, and that's a that's an all right offensive line. They have plenty of skill players too, so it's not the worst spot for Joe Burrow to be in. Yeah, they they need just to protect him like something fierce. Yeah, you know what the only thing I like about Burrow is is that he's like twenty five years old. Are you serious? Yeah, he's he's older. That's the only thing I don't like about. Him. I thought he was he was spectacular last year, but he's old. He's an older guy. He's twenty. Plays next year he's at twenty three. Yeah. So that's the only thing. He's like, yeah, I've, I should be really good. I'm playing against a bunch of children. You know, he's five right. years older than everybody else out there. So <laughs> I don't know. That's the only concern I have about Burrow. Those his age. Um, there's also a couple of good bullpen pass rushers that like. Robert Quinn, I think, would be the best guy you yeah. could sign. Like, I mean, he was awesome last year immediately in Dallas. Just he's so I don't know, he's so narrow 
it's just hard for offensive linemen to get their hands on him. And he creates so much leverage, too. And he has such a good long arm. And he, I mean, he, he was awesome last year in Dallas. He was better than Demarcus Lawrence was on a play-by-play basis when it comes to rushing the passer. And so if you could sign him for... I'd even look at giving him like one year, $10 million or so, and then just only playing him on second and long and third downs and only have him rush the passer and not have him stop the run at all whatsoever. And he's a guy who could probably get you, you know, 10 sacks and, you know, 40 pressures or so next year. He's a guy, one of those guys that you really wonder if he hadn't, I think it was a neat, he tore his ACL, um, if I remember correctly. That you wonder if he didn't tear his ACL, didn't have the hard time coming back from it where he would be like career wise, because he's always been such a beast. I mean, the dude had 19 sacks in, in 2013. He's a productive and like borderline scary guy. Yeah. That was the year him. And I think it was a math, Robert Mathis and Indy were competing for the sack championship yeah. that year. Cause the Colts had Freeney and they had Mathis and I think it was Mathis. I think it was Mathis. Yeah. That sounds right. I don't know. Uh, been a long time since then. Uh, Seven years ago, I, I mean, I've only got underwear that old, not memories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some other bullpen pass rushers are like, I like Marcus Golden. He had a good bounce back year of the Giants. He's always been you know, a pretty good pass rusher. I think Mario Addison can be really good as well, too, in this situation. Again, we're looking at guys who are kind of like in their 30s, who you only want to play in pass rushing situations. I think Addison and Golden would both be really great in this spot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Golden was a guy who really stuck out to me as somebody who would be still has the quicks enough to be effective, I think. Yeah, and his his career in I'll pull it up real fast, but his time in Arizona is really weird because he was he had one really great year and then three years where he didn't do much at all. You're like, well, kind of what happened to him? He kind of disappeared completely and then had a really great year last year. But yeah, his uh, his sophomore season, twelve and a half sacks. 2017, zero. He only played four games. 2018, at two and a half. In 11 games and last year he had 10 sacks and 27 quarterback hits with the Giants and he's also going to be uh, 29 this year yep um, but yeah I mean I again like Houston can create a pretty good pass for should we imagine a situation where you know a, the situation I like to imagine so they sign Eric Armstead then they sign like Robert Quinn and so then you look at four third downs where you have um, JJ Watt Jacob Martin Robert Quinn and Eric Armstead and that's a good pass rush right there uh, with those four guys coming at you, you know. Winnie Merciless that, is going to be like watching film or whatever. The <laughs> I mean, that would not suck. And you could even rotate, you, you know, you could rotate those guys in, you know, allow mm-hmm. them some breathers and let Merciless, you know, get his unblocked sack every other game. Yeah, he will, he'll be, he's good for like one every three weeks or so. Uh, <laughs> just, I mean, it, was, it really is amazing how many like incredible, not incredible plays he made last year. Like the pick against Drew Brees and the forced fumble of Philip Rivers. Uh, he almost had that fumble recovery against Buffalo, but Josh Allen ended up being down. You know, just all throughout last year, he just made these just really... Or he, he did force a fumble, I think, against Josh Allen, too, in that game. Yeah. Yeah. He just did a lot of just really silly things. Where it was like a fingernail, hit the ball, and he got the forced fumble on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like the money's here for Houston to have a good pass rush next year. And that's one of the things I really like about investing is that you can create... A good one pretty quickly, you know. Yeah, and not pay a couple of cornerbacks fifteen million dollars a year to maybe be good. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the big thing about cornerbacks is they are, their production varies so much year to year. Um, I don't know how much of it's just like the metrics that we have for quarterbacks are for cornerbacks aren't very good, or it's just the nature of the position. 
But the cornerback mar- market, like the top guys available are Chris Harris is going to be 31, Jimmy Smith is going to be 32, Josh Norman is going to be 32, Akeed Talib is going to be 34, uh, Prince of Mukamara is going to be 31. It's a lot of older guys, you know. If you go through the list, you're like, I don't really want any of this, you know. Like you really have to, you have to have like 10 drinks or so or, you know, just finish like an hour, like a, a whole like, no, no, there's no amount of meditation you could do to convince yourself into it. It has to definitely take a, a deep, a deep dark path. You have to go down <clears throat> to talk yourself into wanting to give like you and Jimmy Smith four years and $40 million. When I was you know preparing for the podcast tonight <clears throat> and I looked at the cornerback situation and nobody's going to improve really quickly. I mean, one guy who jumped out who is on the younger side, but has been erratic as all heck is Eli Apple. I mean, do you pay for what he maybe could do? He was off and on in New Orleans after they acquired him from the Giants last year. He had mm. some good games. He did. <clears throat> do you pay him? Do you? What about James Bradbury? What about Mike Hilton? These Hilton are some was really good last year for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and he's only twenty six. And he signed a one year contract with Pittsburgh, and he was one of the guys that we wanted them to sign last year. It's like, yeah, sign Roby, sign Hilton, sign. Uh, I know. Then we there's like two other guys. So just sign a bunch of guys in one of your contracts. Let them go at it. You know, Mo Claiborne. Yeah, Claiborne is another one. It's kind of like in the Dark Knight when the Joker breaks the puke the puke, the pool stick. I almost said the puke. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but he almost breaks the pool, he breaks the pool stick and hands it all to him. Like that's what the cornerback room should have been last year, and and that's the best way to kind of go about that this season too. Um, I kind of like Ronald Darby. I know he was awful last year. But he was the best cornerback the Eagles had two years ago. He was injured, but after like five weeks or so, he was the best corner they had. And he's only going to be 26 next year. I think he's uh, he's like a guy that you sign, kind of like Roby, you sign one year for $7 million, And then you sign, you know, I don't know, Darkest Denard for one year, $9 million. I just think it has to be a lot of kind of contracts like that. Yeah, because otherwise you're looking at, you know, Levi Wallace is a guy who kind of intrigues me. Yeah. You know, just just start throwing here one year, two year deals at some of these guys, and and let them fight it out in, in training camp. Mm-hmm. I do believe that Artie Burns is the best cornerback Houston could sign. Like that's their best option, but he he may be a guy who can get like eleven million dollars or so, you know, or twelve million dollars or so this year. And he's a guy who's had one really great year. And for cornerback play, that's even more scarier to pay for than for pass rushers have one really great year. All right, agree. Uh, the way if they did invest in the cornerback position, I think the best way to do it would be to sign Bradbury. You know, give him twelve million dollars a year or so, and then just switch to more of a cover three or cover four defense. It's just with with Lonnie Johnson's skill set. I don't think Johnson's gonna be good next year. I just think he has too far to go to go from being you know one of the worst cornerbacks in the league to being a competent one in the season. And I think the best path for him to being a good cornerback in a year it's gonna be playing more sideline you know, cover three or cover four um, you know, situations. And Bradbury's a cover three corner. He was a very good one last year, very good one the year before that too. And so if you have those two guys on the sideline and then you move Gary and Conley into the slot, um, you know, that's probably their best possibility having it. And then you have you know, Tayshawn Gibson, Justin Reed at safety. That's probably your best way to have a good coverage unit. The only issue with that though is their linebackers are Bernard McKinney and Zach Cunningham. Another one of those guys are very good in coverage. There's, they're great everything else, but that's the one thing that they really struggle as in coverage. So that's kind of one negative to playing like a cover three scheme. I mean, just watch what San Francisco did last year 
with um with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Wagner and Fro yeah uh Frank no Frank Warner Frank Warner Frank Warner oh yeah God. there Thank we you. go. You know, it's like whenever I'm riding, I know it. And then as soon as we start talking, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, those two guys were awesome, though, at covering running backs and tight ends. They had the best, I think, defense in the league last year covering running backs. And they were also even playing that match defense where they would take a crosser. Uh, they, you know, Warner cu- carried the post against slot cornerbacks. I mean, they did some awesome, bizarre things. And the Texans don't have that sort of talent. So that's the one holdup where they could run a zone defense next year that just gets obliterated in the shrimp middle part of the field and along the seams because of who their linebackers are. But I do think if Houston had a good coverage unit, that would be the best path for it to happen. It just What you're saying kind of made me think about it, something a little bit, is that when you look at Cunningham, you look at McKinney, and, and truly they are, Cunningham's got lateral movement, but McKinney is a true better. downhill thumper. Yeah. yeah. And so it makes me wonder, like, if you're building a defense in this day and age, should you... Like how valuable are guys like McKinney and DJ Reader, and you know what, what kind of value do they have? And, and should you not have guys who are who are much better in the open field like Warner? Yeah, I mean that is that is true. I I mean McKinney really is like what's great about McKinney is that you don't have to have great defensive linemen in front of him, and you can have a good run defense. And so that's kind of like the and the argument against DJ Reader is that whenever you have McKinney and uh, and Cunningham, you don't really have to pay a lot of money for a nose tackle anymore. You have two guys that can make up for that. Uh, but you know, and you would you would think Cunningham would be a better coverage linebacker. But every time he's one versus one against a running back, he just gets it liquefied by him. And I don't know what it is exactly. I think a lot of it's just because he tackles so much with his upper body. Um, but you know, I don't know. He just has been a bad like open field uh, coverage linebacker, though. Yeah, I agree. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Texans could sign Kevin Johnson again. There's Tremaine Brock. <laughs> yeah, Tremaine Brock had a, a way too good season in Tennessee last year, which was really absurd. Um, I you know I think Levi Wallace is another good uh, zone coverage cornerback. They play a lot of cover three and cover four in Buffalo last year, and you know he could do something similar in Houston. They wanted to go that route too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like it's a lot of like it's a lot of names where. It's one fifty-five a.m. You're trying to talk yourself into something. Is how this entire cornerback free agency group is, and like even looking at the potential cuts too. Uh, there, I mean, like I looked at a lot of guys that could be cut potentially. Whenever I I did like a quick uh, a quick power rankings where I spelled Yannick and Gakwe and ja- and Jodway with the J instead of a K, but uh, yeah, there just really wasn't like a lot of potential cuts at the cornerback position that I could see happening as well either. Yeah, we we've got to spend money to get to the quarterback. I, I, I'm really as we've gone through this podcast, I've just really because we have to cover these guys a lot better than I mean, not cover. I mean, we have to make we have to protect our cornerbacks a lot better than we do right now. And the best way to do that is to get to the uh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really the only way I said being you know plausible last year. And and again, too, we have we have to look at this at the fact that the Texans have to improve this year. They had an awful pass defense last year. And it's just a spot that they have to get better at this season. Yeah. It, you, Deshaun Watson can only take on four tackles at the same time and slip <laughs> out and dump it off before, you know, ending up in, I don't uh, a full body cast eventually. Oh my gosh. Don't even stop it. But hey, you Malcolm Butler, he may be cut for $7.4 million. They go after him. How's that sound? 
So uh, for everybody who, who doesn't see the video, I'm doing my wanking, <laughs> wanking movement to and, that one. Well, you may find yourself uh, fourth and or second and two in a Super Bowl, <laughs> and that's why you signed him there for it. You know. Mm-hmm. Why don't yeah. we just go after Logan Ryan's corpse? I mean, he turns what, 29 or 30 next year. Yep. He was all right last year. And the Titans are were kind of the opposite of that team where it's like, what's more important, pass rush or quarterback play? Because their, their secondary play wasn't you know bad last year. Uh, Adore Jackson, the best year of his career last year. You know, Ryan, Ryan was okay. Trent Brock had like a really bizarre good year. But their safety play is good. They just had no pass rush. Their pass rush was just Darrell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons like flying through double teams and, you know, suffocating. And, uh, and like, I think Landry's a good player, but he's never going to be, I don't think he ever, he's going to have like the elite speed to be a great pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And they went all in on Cameron Wake and that didn't work out at all. Yeah. No, old, that, I, th- I think that's why they're going to go after Clowney hard. And I, I think they're, they're also going to use that as a motivator. I mean, Clowney going against the Texas twice a year. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big deal to a guy who really did not get treated well on his way out. Yeah. You know, that would that would be uh every day's a new hell and that would be from a Texans fan perspective, but I don't know, I think it'd be fun to watch Clowney in Tennessee. It'd be, I mean he make and like Indy. Indy should go all in on Clowney. They have like ninety five million dollars just sitting there. They have plenty of room. I kinda want Buffalo to go after him too. No. Yeah. It's too Mario. If he goes to Buffalo it's too uh, Mario. That's true. I don't know. I just yeah. like I just like Buff like adding <laughs> Clowney to Ed Oliver. And uh, and that group of guys they have there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that'd be fun. So offensively, you know, the Texans only really have one asset if we look at the trade market, and that's Will Fuller because he's only he's on his fifth year option. They're going to pay him ten point two million dollars or so. Would you want to see them maybe try to trade Fuller for a second round pick and then maybe move up in the draft and 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 get somebody like you know Judy or Mims or I guess I don't know if it's who's they got from Baylor Mims or is it Sims. Oh, I'm so far behind. I, think I, was, I, I was out of town all last week. I've missed all like the combine stuff. Yeah. I am I'm a week behind. I need to catch up. I didn't see him either, uh, but I think it's Mims. But or they could sign some like Robbie Anderson. What would you want to do there? Would you just say keep keep Will Fuller and just like, you know, just like encase him in milk. Just put a bathtub of milk all off season <laughs> and then uh and then I'm, and then you dry him off before every game day. And or would you want to see them move on from maybe get a second round pick, use that to maybe trade up in the first round draft a wide receiver, or um, get somebody like Robbie Anderson to replace him? See, and once again, I'm going to go back to if your entire offensive execution depends upon one player that's not the quarterback, you're freaking doing it wrong. Yeah, like that's all I can say. So I'm going to throw out two names out there that that um, I'm going to throw two names out because I think they're my Will Fuller replacements. Rashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett. Yeah. Maybe Robbie Anderson because he brings that same skill set. But look, if you're so dependent upon Will Fuller, we have to bring one of those guys in there to play that role if he, if and when he gets hurt. Kenny still should be able to play the role just fine. It's just that it seemed like Bill O'Brien refused to let him play that role. Which I think, is, I think they refused to let Deshaun Watson throw the ball downfield yeah. when he was out, you know? Yeah. But they, so, go ahead. I was just thinking about some of those games last year. You look at the the passing charts, it's like, oh, he threw one pass or 15 yards because Will Fuller's out of the game. So what are we even doing here? Right. That's not how you win in today's NFL. And so there's, there's, those are a couple of guys. Perriman, Dorsett, four two, legit 4-2-8 kind of speed kind of guys and who can, who can burn. And I mean, so is Stills. 
But those are two really, truly legit Will Fuller clones, you know, because right now we're talking about who is um, the next Ted Ginn, the guy who who struggled through his career as a speed burner. And all of a sudden he turned like 28 years old and learned how to play football. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm looking at. And I think Perriman kind of did that last year. So he might be pricing himself out. I think Dorsett could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Perriman would be spectacular. Uh, I think he's definitely a guy like the Colts should go after or you know, the Dolphins should go after, you know. But I, I don't know if Houston's going to be able to spend the money for someone like Perriman, but that'd be a really good option. Dorsett, like, I mean, he's had a couple different tries. He just has never you know, been very good, you know. I I think he just doesn't know how to catch the ball at the highest point is his biggest problem. There are some guys, some of these guys who play professional football, I cannot believe how poor they are at high pointing. Mm-hmm. Like, some are just flat terrible. Yeah. Yeah, very few people are like DeAndre Hopkins, you know. But when it, I don't know, when it comes to pass catchers, I think they should just kind of stay where they're at. I would keep Fuller around. I think the biggest thing next year is just figure it out with Kiki Cutie. Just even like if it comes down to it's like, all right, you're going to run two routes. You're going to run a drag right or a drag left. And sometimes <laughs> when you wreck and like teach them how to recognize match defenses and be like, okay, when you have the linebacker look at you like this, uh, cut out, cut back out to the sideline. Those are your three routes. And then just do that over and over again. And be like, I think you could figure it out. I think you could. But I think that's really kind of the key for the pass catchers is that to get him involved in the offense next year and get him 50 catches or so. Yep. Um, so at guard, I know we discussed last week that the Texans, we would want to stick with Zach Fulton for another season. Just keep that constant continuity there for it. But there are some guards available if Houston wanted to go after one. Um, some names include Andrews Pete, Quinnen Spain, Joe Thune, Austin Blythe, and Greg Van Rodden. Would you like to spend, you move on and, and lock down somebody at the guard position for the next three years or so by signing a guy like that? And the other guy was Brandon Scurf. Mm-hmm. He's going to get he, like $15 million a year or something. He might now. get paid, yeah. Um, the one that, the name, Andrews Pete's only 26. He's younger. He didn't embarrass himself last year. He'd be the one guy who I might like say, okay, let's see how much you're going to cost mm-hmm. and kick the tires on him. Yeah, I like Van Rodden. I know Panthers fans don't like him. I'm mainly just speaking because he had a really good game against Houston, and he was good like the first three weeks of last year. But I know Carolina fans don't like him all that much. And Spain, you know, Spain's good in a power blocking scheme. Like Spain would be great in Baltimore. You know, uh, he was good. In, he was really good in Buffalo last year too. But I don't know where he's going to end up at all. You just don't want him. He's not a guy who's going to be able to do a lot of things. But if you're using a power blocking scheme, and he's also a good pass blocker too. I just don't think he'd be a very good fit in Houston. And again, I think Houston's best sticking with Fulton. Yeah. I would like to see him draft a guard in like the fourth round or so next year and then teach that guy and then have him ready to step up in 2021. I could be for that. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think, I think Sharping's best at guard. I think mm-hmm. Howard should just stay at right tackle and Howard may be one of those guys who ends up moving to guard as well too. Um, his passport, he doesn't know how to pass protect as far as like technique wise goes. So you may even see him moving to guard eventually in his career. We'll see, though. What's funny is I was getting ready to ask you that very question. If you saw that Howard's long term was at guard, because that's yeah, I mean, how he I'm has, kind of evolving. He has the the potential and the ability to play tackle. He just has to learn how to do it. You know, like a lot of things that we were concerned about last draft, like they were all there last year. Um, he just doesn't know how to play like the position. At, he doesn't know how to play the position like an NFL player does. But like he has all the size and strength and quickness to do it. He just has to figure it out. Yeah. 
But yeah, if he doesn't figure out next year that you could see him maybe move to right guard as early as 2021, we'll see though. I do like Sharpie at guard though, and he's going to get strong. He'll figure it out. It's just amazing to think that Howard, we've already taken him from left tackle to right tackle. Now we're talking about him at guard next year. Yeah, And that's not maybe. the best use of a first round pick. Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, that's the darkest timeline, but I do think both those guys should start for a while though. Uh, and yeah. I mean, my biggest yeah. concern with Howard isn't Howard though. It's that the guy who's teaching him has developed one offensive lineman and that's turning second round pick Nick Martin into something that's, you know, he's fairly good now. Martin has to do more than he's the only player on the offensive line who's asked to do a lot of different stuff. Everybody else is kind of like simplistic roles. And uh, it, I don't know. That's, that's the biggest concern I have. So swing tackle last year, the Texans used Robert Johnson, Chris Clark in this role. I'm good with Johnson. You're good with Johnson, but they could yep. sign, you know, Dennis Kelly. He's going to be 30 years old, but he's been good as a swing tackle in Tennessee. Um, the Titans may keep him because Jack Conklin's been rumored to go to the New York Jets. The Raven Clark was the third round pick from Indy. He only got like two starts at left tackle because Jadavia and Clowney, you know, de- decimated him completely. But I think he'd be worth, worth taking a look at as far as the tackle goes. And Cameron Fleming's going to be available again as well, too. That old flame of ours. So uh, if they do decide to move on from Johnson, like they have to sign a good, like a good, competent third tackle because they can't have that happen again next year. Or we, I mean, I could, I could so see it's like week 10, Chris Clark is back again. Right. No, I, I'm all for Roderick Johnson being back, definitely on that train. And, if, you know, Cameron Fleming, of course, he's, he popped up and I popped up. Yeah. He it, popped up. He yeah. was so much better in New England than in Dallas, though. It really kind of made me sad. Yeah. Uh, the only other guy that I thought was really intriguing was Greg Robinson, because you know that guy can score some pot. <laughs> yeah i can i do you see a picture of the duffel bag i did not gosh it's the size of a refrigerator oh my god oh the dude knows how to party i mean i want him on my team and how badly i mean of course it, i was just thinking about how how much that thing smells too like how obvious it was immediately stinky weed oh because you know we were in california and it, it, you couldn't turn a corner without somebody smoking pot yeah it, on, on vacation and it was just funny because my daughter's just like man that's some stinky is that a skunk I'm like, <laughs> they live yeah. in sin out here <laughs> honey they, this is a sinful place it's a degenerate sinful place this california oh man i was just getting i was getting stoned off the shotguns alone yeah um so running back we don't want Carlos side here they have duke johnson and duke johnson should get 12 touches a game instead of seven or whatever it is he got um, it was kind of fun watching the film because like every time they got in the red zone, it's like, oh, here's Duke Johnson. Oh, he's in the backfield. Oh, he's going to run an out route of the backfield. And that's all he did. All That's the only way they used him last year. Um, I, think the, if they, I think the best running back for them to sign and how they like to use their running backs is Gus Edwards. He's giving 25. Oh. He was good last year in Baltimore, but he was like their third running back. Um, and he's a former, I believe, third-round pick. But I think Gus Edwards would be the best running back they wanted to give a guy five million dollars or so to play running back and just completely ruin his career and dry him out and use him up and you know two seasons so the guy who i have on the top of my list is derrick henry <laughs> just because oh, i thought it'd be fun yeah i thought it'd be fun but the other two guys on the realistic side of things are jordan howard Kenyon drake yeah and drake's and like drake's more like a, a pass catcher do everything back like he's what lamar miller he's like he's like lamar miller all over again you know Kind of, but I think he's a little bit better between the tackles. Okay. And so he would be my number one guy. 
that I think if, if we could go after him, I like the Gus Edwards. I, I, I didn't process that very well. And I think that's a great idea. Uh, but uh, Kenny and Drake is the guy who I think I would go, Hey, you know what? He's a guy who likes to run between the tackles and he can do little things outside of that. And his name is not Carlos Hyde. <laughs> I really like Drake and I, I really hope he doesn't come here just for the best of his career and his well-being. Career. <laughs> No, I'm thinking about Kenyon right now. Just don't come to Houston. Oh my gosh! Give we're Lamar thinking, Miller a call and be like, "No, it's a bad spot to be in." Just like we're thinking about the welfare of the players who might come to the team over the team. For That's sure. awesome. I mean, at the right yeah. back position, like Lamar Miller should have been used like the Saints use Alvin Kamara. Like he's not as good as Alvin Kamara is, but that's how they should have used him. And then instead, they use Carlos Hyde how they use Lamar Miller. You know. Um, so backup quarterback, we have Keenum, we have Schaub, we don't have Fitzpatrick. Stop. You know, I Stop. think that the Dolphins could get probably a third round pick for Fitzpatrick if they wanted to. Look, um, look, our backup quarterback is clearly going to be Deshaun Watson because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to sign Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, then we're going to sign and then we're going to trade Deshaun Watson for two first round picks. <laughs> That's what has to happen. That's it's, it's just, it's fate. Yeah. It really is. I don't, you know, I, if you try to imagine a scenario where you're like, yeah, I'm not watching the Texans anymore, I think that'd be the one. Pretty much. I think that'd be the one that would do it. Uh, if you are being serious about drafting or about signing a, a backup quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I think he's going to get like, I don't know, I think they're going to, I think he's going to get the, the Ryan Tannehill sort of situation, you know? You think somebody's going to pay him? I think Chicago's going to. I think that's yeah. come out. It's like they Chicago wants to push Trubisky, so they want to get a veteran quarterback that can kind of like, yeah, you're the starter, Mitch, but you know, don't go to sleep with two eyes closed, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think I would let Mariota start for my team anymore. But he's like, if you're looking for a similar skill set kind of guy, which is you know, I'm infatuated with that. You know, Taysom Hill's not going to be out there. I don't want Geno Smith, but I, we can't go into 2020. I don't think with AJ McCarron as our backup, I think it's stupid. <laughs> one of the one of the funniest things about last season though was the Texans. I think scored three points in their opening drive, week 17. AJ McCarron touchdown. It's like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> all right. I got it. I got it. I see what's going on here. Uh, Brett Hundley, you know, he's an athletic quarterback too. He's somebody that can maybe sign as a backup as well, but. You know, it's not a very good back and quarterback market right now. No. Um, Keenum, I don't know. I can talk Stop myself it. into Keenum. Stop it. I can always do that. Um, kick returner. So Carter's a free agent. He can never come back. Is there any kick returners out there you like? You know, I mean, I think Dorsett can maybe do it. Kenyon Drake could definitely do it if they had to. Um, QT, we don't want him returning kicks anymore because he just gets hurt and then he doesn't get a chance to really develop with the offense. But you see any kick returns that you really enjoy? I honestly didn't look. Let's see here. Uh, it won't let me look. It will let me look for kickers, punters, long snappers, but... Yeah, I wasn't I prepared for that question, any, Your Honor. Anything but DeAndre Carter, though. Any Anything but DeAndre... I still can't believe that. Not Tyler Irvin, because he's a free agent. Yeah, you know, he caught some passes out of the backfield in a playoff game. It was amazing to see how well he was, how well that uh, um, Green Bay used him. Yeah, that they knew what, how to use the skill set. It was amazing. I know this is going to be way too esoteric here, but 
one of the oh things my. I always said about Tyler Irvin is like use him as a running back some. Like he's not just like this like little scat back who only does a bunch of weird little things. Like he can run between the tackles a little bit, give him some carries, and I think he had like seven carries his entire career in Houston. Are there uh, any Titans like that you like? Would you like to see Houston maybe yeah. go after Hunter Henry and give Henry like twelve million dollars a year? I want Ricky Seals Jones on this team so bad. <laughs> I want yeah. my I want the the guy who is a wide receiver lined up at tight end and along with Fuller when he's healthy and and D Hop and Stills and Cutie and whomever else you're going to throw out there and Duke Johnson. Let them try to cover Ricky Seals Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want a team to actually be able to cover all those guys. And I realize, look, this is not a guy who you can put on in line and let him block. But I tell you what, if you're going to go empty backfield, that's the tight end I want. Yeah, and because he creates so many problems at that position, he's like use him how how he's made to be. He's a hitman in a passing situation. Put him out there, let him do damage. I mean, crikey. I, I just, I get all tingly thinking about that. Yeah. Great name too. Good tattoos. Uh, yeah. he had a, and he, I mean, he was good in Arizona before they released him, had a, a better year in Cleveland. It's like, Oh, this is what David, this is what we always want David and Jaku to be. And end up being Ricky Seals Jones was able to be used that way pretty well. Yeah. And I'd go after Njokwe. I mean, the guy's is super athletic and he's, he's, his value. I guess is it's, super it's in Joku. It's in Joku. In Njoku. Yeah. Oh, thank you. There we go. Yeah. But, you know, he's super athletic. He made some catches last year that were outstanding. Like, there is so much available talent at the tight end position that we should be going for. And and to look at some of the guys that we trot out there is just downright depressing. Go get me a, a real specimen athlete kind of guy like Seals Jones or somebody else. Somebody mm-hmm. else in what we're trotting out there. There's too much of a, a – there is such a huge opportunity for this team to exploit that position. Yeah, no, I, I agree too. And I, I mean, like, I think the biggest problem with Darren Fallis, one of the problems they had in their past game in general, was they never attacked the seams at all. Um, like, the only only example I can really see where they use Fallis to attack the seams against Kansas City, and, you know, Kansas City plays a lot of cover three, and this ball hits him, like, he jumps over the cornerback, hits him by the hands, and he drops it. And that was like the only time I could even really think of last year where Fallis was used as a seam receiver. I mean, again, I'd like to see the Jordan twins use more. I want to see Kahali Waring used up the seam. But yeah, like somebody like signing like Seals Jones for a one-year contract would be a good option as well, too. And see, if you can't tell, I've already given up on Warren. Waring. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to play. I mean, I don't think so either, but I don't know. I just really liked his college video, you know? He's too sexy for Bill O'Brien <laughs> to handle. That's the bottom line. It, like, it's the same thing if it was you... Kahal Warring, I mean, he Bill O'Brien would not be able to handle all that sexiness at once. Yeah, I mean, he is something else. He's so, he's such a Chad. <laughs> um, so the the last question I want to ask you about the second specifically before we answer our listener questions or reader questions or whatever the psycho fans. Uh, but so the Texans, you know, Larry Tensel, he fired his agency. He's trying to find a new one. <laughs> He's on his fifth year of his contract. So I think he's going to be paid $10.3 million next year. Deshaun Watson's on the fourth year of his rookie contract. And I think he's paid like $3 million or whatever. Would you look at extending either one of these players this year? Or would you say, no, this is our best opportunity to win it all. We're going to push this off for next season and deal with it later. Or do you want to you know, pay some checks now and then have more money for you know 2023 or whatever? Or I guess 2021 or so. 
I think the way I would go about it is I would not Rick Smith it, or I guess not Brian Gain it, really, is that I think you get a lot. When you look at the way that we treated Clowney, when you look at the way the the Jaguars, especially with Coughlin, treated some of those guys, and, and they're all like, mm-hmm. you know, the Jaguars can't, players cannot leave fast enough after the way they were treated there, right? Especially in Gakwe. Um, that you look at the way uh, egos are an important part of football. I would do my absolute damnedest to say, hey, look, you guys are my cornerstones. Here's my offer. Let's work on this. Let's get it done this year. I would get it done because you get to the value you get out of that as the GM is you ha- now have the knowledge of what they're going to cost for the next X number of seasons. And I think there's a lot of value in that because it really does set, Hey, look, I can go sign this guy. I can go sign Quinn. I can go sign, um, you know, uh, uh, Littleton from the Rams. I know dreams, dreams, but look, we can go sign these guys because now we know we have it in, and set in ink how much these guys are going to cost. And so to me, there's a large amount of value in having an assurance about what these guys are going to cost going forward and that you can make your you can make things happen around that. And you have already said to your entire team, look, I am devoting myself. We're going to build around these guys. This is our core. These are your leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think there's value in that as well. We're going to pay Tunsil. We're going to pay Watson. It's inevitable. Let's just get it done and give us the assurance of, of that moving forward. Yeah. I guess this one, if you wanted to say something nice about Rick Smith, that's one of the things you can say nicely about him. Like he understood who his core players were and who to build around. Um, and he knew that he drafted in the first round, you know, which is one of my favorite things about the argument, why the Tesla trade was good. It's like, well, you don't know what you're going to do with your first round picks. They're not that valuable. So you're a fan of a team who's entirely built around drafting well in the first round. Um, I, I personally, I would tell Watson, it's like, look, we have this window. We're going to take advantage of it. We're going to give you $40 million a year next year, whatever it's going to be. I think I would, if I have enough money left over, I would try to sign Tencel first, but I would try to push this off going to next year. And I would, I would try to savor this because they might wallet since you have him for the fourth year, you have him for the fifth year. You're not in a rush really to extend him. Tencel's a little bit different. Even then you could franchise tag him, I guess, but uh, I would look at not, not extending either one, wait until next year to do so. And I think I would look at extending Tencel before I extended Watson and just tell Watson, it's like, look, you're four, you know, after next year, we're going to give you, you know, $40 million, whatever it's going to be. Whatever Mahomes gets this year, we'll give you more than that potentially. If you are, yeah, I think you just have to be serious and and you have to make that commitment to your players, to your leaders, if that's what you want to build around. I 100% believe that. Look, you can talk about the ego of the players. You can talk about how they're whiny babies or whatever. And a lot of people are going to say that, oh, the players want too much money. Look, let's be honest. The salary cap is going up at a very fast rate. And this is all about spending McNair money. I don't care. Let's max that cap out. Let's have a good team. And let's make sure that we have enough flexibility with the roster that we can make the signings that we want to. And the way that you do that, the way you have flexibility is you set a, you set um, like expectations. uh, You set assurances with who you're going to pay and how much you're going to pay them. Mm -hmm. The sooner, the better. Anyway, that's just my, I'm kind of ranting a little bit about that because that's look, I, I don't care if, if, you're right. We don't have to pay Watson this year. We should pay Tunsil this year. 
And then we tell Watson, we're going to take care of you next year. Look what we did with Tunsil. And now all of a sudden Watson's like, oh, yeah, you guys took care of Laramie. I'm going to be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the only – and then be like, okay, we're going to tell you this and make sure you don't talk to Dave Van Clowney at all. Whatever he says right. isn't the truth. He's a liar. You know, right. you have to make right. sure you add that portion of it too at the same time. Because there is that aspect of it. I mean, there really is. I can't imagine that that a guy like Watson or a guy like Tunsil saw the clowning situation and went, oh, you know what? The Texans handled that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like even like Tunsil, he's never he's like, yeah, I like to stay in Houston. But I mean, Tunsil, I think he just wants to make sure he gets twenty million dollars a year. Like it's yeah. gonna be absurd how much money he's gonna get. Yeah. Like I wonder what the cliff is where Bill Bryant's like, I can't give you that. You know what I mean? The other idea I was laughing about too is that that Bill O'Brien's not never gonna be fired. Instead, he's gonna ex- ascend to just be the full time general manager, and then we'll <laughs> just see like Tim Kelly become the head coach, and it's never gonna end, you know? Ever, never. Uh, so our listener questions tonight. The first one's from at r underscore crossing him, and he stop asked, it. Name this four, is such an April <laughs> question. Name Dude. four positives about Bill O'Brien, both during his ten- tenure and for the next season smiley face so can you name four positive things for the last six years and for the next you know season coming up hateful (laughs) one thing that i thought about is he finally he will occasionally incorporate and by the way matt i'm expecting to answer to have three of these four responses um he finally was able to incorporate some some semi-effective rpo with with uh fells in the first couple of weeks of last season. And that was nice to see. Now, of course it went stale faster than a donut, but you know, he did do that. Mm -hmm. That was nice. Matt. Yeah. I would say last year, whenever he had a really good game plan, it was really good. And it happened every once in a while. Like, I mean, I went back and watched the Kansas city film. I was like, man, like these were, this was just a really great game plan. They just did a really great job. This game in Kansas city. Um, The second thing is I think Bill O'Brien gets the bare minimum of the talent on his roster. Like, you know, there's some coaches like uh, uh, like Hugh Jackson, for example. Like the Browns should have never gone 0-16. That was probably like a, a four or five win, you know, talent team, but they got zero wins because Jackson's terrible. Uh, Bill O'Brien, at least I think, gets the bare minimum out of his team. Uh, I think he finally has the chance to have his team however it is he likes it uh, for the third thing, which... I don't know. That's that's as positive as I can be for that. Um, the fourth thing is he's been historically good in close games, and maybe that's because he's able to, I don't know, prepare his team. Like Every game's a battle, and they're all going to be very close, and he's able to have some sort of Stockholm Soldier situation where they're able to play better in close games because every game is close. I don't know, but those are the four that I got. Okay, I, 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 will, I will throw in. He won a challenge last year. That's good. That's good. He went for him fourth and one more times. Than <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you. That was that was the one I forgot about. Yes, he he went for him fourth down a lot more last year, and that was that gave me warm fuzzies in special places. Except for the most important game of the season. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't ask for everything, Matt. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that press conference too, and how bizarre it was that he has a, a reporter just so happens to ask him about Tim Kelly, and then he takes that to frame it as, oh, he's gonna call plays now. Like it just seemed, you know, like it's a tel- tel- totalitarian state where it's like, he, I guarantee you, told the reporters like, make sure you ask me this question so I can bring it 
like this Tim Keller's column plays as subtly as possible as just an afterthought instead of it being like a, a big decision to make, you know? Yeah. Like he's not going to be like big brothering over that play calling, which, you know, which I thought was a good segue considering, um, you know, used uh, totalitarianism. Yeah. yeah. It took me a while to get out of my mouth and, or, and then also I, I had nothing to do with Chris Olsen being fired. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you a hundred percent did. I don't know why you have to lie about that, but I don't, I don't believe anything this team says though. Whenever they speak to the press anymore. Um, no. The next question is from Ad Eddie underscore Hassan. The Texans have zero. This one's very sad though. This is more, yeah, of a, this is more of him just, you know, let get it out. You know, get it out. This is the space we're here for, but the Texans have zero cap flexibility and zero draft equity, which they have some, What's there to cover? Tunsil's going to get paid and Watson once Mahomes signs will be right behind him. Almost glad OB isn't able to do anything stupid, which is fair. This isn't popular, but remember OB trade for Tunsil after realizing Matt Cleo wasn't the answer. So he squandered draft equity without resigning during the trade. Rookie GM mistake. Also, this draft class is stacked with offensive line talent. Zero draft equity, zero FA flexibility. Um, I guess the only good thing I can say to you, Eddie, is that they do they are probably have like seventy million dollars in cap space and you know, even Watson and Tunsil would only take up fifty five million of that potentially next season. And uh and then they could and then also, you know, they do have a second round pick this year. So at least think about that. Whenever you feel bad, think about the fact that they have a second round pick this year. <laughs> that we do. That we do. And we're gonna get some compensatory picks. One. We'll probably get one for Matthew. One. Okay. Anyway, I'm done. Uh, yeah, it, it's the, the team management. Once, once again, this is very Bill O'Brien has been drafting and making trades in order to make Bill O'Brien look good. And there's just no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. The next question we have is from Carlos Flores, our newest writer. He asks, what's the best Ooh. event at the rodeo? <laughs> I I saw that question. It's like, when was the last time you were at the rodeo, Matt? I went two years ago with my Catholic family to go see Jim Gaffigan. That was fun. The rodeo was whatever. But uh, and then the best time I ever had the rodeo though was I, when I was in Northern California, I was like south of the Oregon border, and we went to like the local rodeo there, and that was awesome because it was just like this whole community of forest people, you know, just like ranchers and stuff just coming out of the woods, and uh, everybody was just like you know back their pickup truck to the fence, just sitting there by their truck drinking beer, and uh, it was it was really pretty, and they also the bull riding was the best part, and that's the best part of the rodeo of course, but one of the guys from the town I guess was like actually a professional bull rider. And it was like the guy going to the high school party and he competed and he just like absolutely destroyed everybody though. Like everyone else just getting like mangled, knocking off for in three seconds. And he was the only one able to ride the bull fully, but that was really cool though. I recommend if you're ever, if you ever have the chance to go to a small town rodeo, they're really beautiful and very much fun. And they're like, that's it's cool. also really cheap too. That's cool. I guess my favorite is when they let the, the little piglets out and they let the kids chase them. That yeah, was always my too. favorite. Yeah, that's good fun. Or you can just watch that Borat scene whenever he, he sings the... I think it's he sings the national anthem. It's very funny. I have not seen that movie yet. Yeah, it's like 15 years old now or whatever. But I know, funny. right? Uh, yeah. And the last question we had here is from at Malik Riles14. And he asked, with Edgy O for coming back, I always forget about him. I love this right. spin move. Right. Man, he has such a good spin move. But with Edgy O for coming back, Marta and Merciless... We've got a few wide nine top players in the front seven. Can we go after versatile defensive lineman slash edge like Armstead play opposite of Watt? And I, and I, yeah, I think that's kind of like, you know, what we talked about earlier. 
that's kind of the best way for the Texans to have a, a competent pass defense next year is to go out and get like a guy who can play you know, anywhere between three and five technique. And I think Armstead would be perfect. And again, if you have like Armstead, Watt, Martin, you know, slash Merciless, and then you get like a 30-year-old third-down pass rusher, like you can have a good pass rusher in a season and then just you know, pray Watt can play. I mean, I don't even know if I'd even play him against like Jacksonville next year, you know? Like, I'd only play him, like, six games next year, maybe. Who, what? Yeah. Just save up his bodily fluids? Yeah. You know? I don't know. It just, it sucks. He can't stay healthy at all. Yeah. No, uh, no I, I I think, it, I think that would be a great scenario because, yeah, I keep forgetting about for coming back. And, and the, I think the guy's got talent. I think he can get to the quarterback. He, he's a bigger version of, of Martin. Not quite as quick, but I think he can do a lot of damage. I would love to see, you know, a a guy who can get the. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show. Is that we need a lot a good interior pass rush, and I think Armstead gives that to us. I think Chris Jones would give that to us. But yes, please, we need to do whatever we can to make sure the quarterback is a lot dirtier than they uh, we were able to do last season. It, we have to. We mm-hmm. have to. Yeah, and I mean, I think what was a lot of fun about doing this show and. Uh, and even when going back to last one's like the Texans do have a chance to become a better team this year. And the biggest thing is they can't do what they did last year and squander all that, you know, cap flexibility and frame money because of some illusion they're building for the future or some nonsense like that. And they have the opportunity and they have the resources to get better right away this season. Um, and I, and again, like the tensile and, you know, Watson extensions are kind of the only thing hanging over it, but I think they can be able, if, if general, you know, commander Emperor Bill O'Brien can, figure it out well enough. Like they have a chance where they can immediately improve this year while kind of like balancing things for next year as well too. So it's going to be interesting. I think they have one, they're one of the five most interesting teams this off season though. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see if they come up with this, this next month. Yeah. I just, you know, we really need us running that team, Matt. I mean, that's just the, the truth. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Some things they could have definitely listened <laughs> for some things for some <laughs> things they would have. But like they'd be like, "Oh, you keep filing the contract wrong." Like what? I'd be like, ah, I don't know how to do that. And then, oh, you mean you mean like they did? That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, I know how to do paperwork. I'd hire, I'd hire my friend Grunch Dave to do that. Man, let him take care of that and call up legal Zoom we'd be to, to handle our NFL contracts. Oh, so I would get Grunch Dave to do it because he's a legal guy. Uh, okay, yeah, he can do it. He can do it. Yeah, he's one of the fa- he's one of the founders of Dream Shake. Oh, cool, the cool. Rockets SBM blog. That's cool. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, that's our show for tonight. I don't know. Next week they have the tag deadline on the tenth, and then free agency is going to start. I think on the fourteenth. So it's all going to happen very quickly. Uh, but maybe we can scrounge up an idea for a show next week. Talk about the Texans specifically, but if not. We'll be back on in probably two weeks, and we'll talk about the the great decisions the Texans make after the first wave of free agency happens. Wow. It's almost here. So until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Ballroom Radio. And thank you for being on tonight, BFD.